Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Well, the change was made up time and the big man Joe and the band. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob, Tony Kennett's in for Casey today. So how big a trouble is the banking slash financial system in? Let's go to a guy who has a whole big old degree in just that. Let's head to the drivehubler.com hotline. Duke economist Dr. Michael Munger joins us now. All right, Dr. Munger, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being this is the biggest thing ever, 1 is not a big deal at all. Where are we on these banks going down? I'm going to go with 5 because (laughs) we're... And potentially, there's a problem. A lot of it depends how people react. And if panic spreads about people wanting their deposits out, then it could go up from 5 to 12. You and I met 15 years ago during the last economic collapse. I don't know if you remember that. That is when we started uh, doing radio together. Is this anything like what we experienced in 2008? If so, why? And if not, why is it different? I think it's different, but it could end up in some of the same place. Remember, in uh, when the Empire Strikes Back, they're heading for the uh, the big uh, battle star, and they Admiral Akbar turns to the bridge and says, "It's a trap." <laughs> this was a trap, uh, it, and it was set by regulators. Now, uh, Gregory Becker, who was the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank. He's an Indiana boy, by the way. He's uh, from Fort Wayne and uh, went to IU, went to the Kelly School of Business. This guy, Gregory Becker, is the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, and they decide they're going to be extremely innovative. Now, a bank, what a bank does, let's just, this is boring, but it's important. What a bank does is it collects money from a bunch of depositors, and then it makes loans to people who need large sums of money. Silicon Valley Bank was going to be something different. Silicon Valley Bank was going to be a risk-free place for the new economy companies to be able to hold their, their money with no risk. And so almost all of the money that Gregory Becker and Silicon Valley Bank had took in, and billions and billions from all of these Silicon Valley companies, Where they put the money was in U.S. government bonds, which are supposed to be among the least risky assets there are. Now, they did. These are long-term bonds, and they're hard to unload. They're hard to get rid of. They were buying these bonds at a time when the U.S. Federal Reserve was just printing money as fast as it could and putting out gigantic sums of money. There were periods in 2011, 2012 up to about 2016, where they were doubling the money supply every two or three years, which is incredible. It's unprecedented. We haven't done that, which means that the interest rates on these federal bonds were really low. Now, the interest rate is how much money you get paid for holding the bond. In some cases, they're below 1%. So we've got this bank. It's going to specialize in something new, and it's just going to hold money for rich folks. And they're going to invest that money in a risk-free asset, U.S. government bonds. Now, 
The Federal Reserve says, wait, there's inflation. Well, yeah, there's inflation. <laughs> you, you doubled the money supply every two years for nearly a decade. Yes, there's inflation. And then to boot, the other part of the trap was that your president, Joe Biden, said we need to do everything everywhere all at once. And so we will. That was a, a, a movie reference. Uh, they, we're going to spend all this money on Build Back Better on Every dimension. We're not going to focus on one thing. We're going to spend money everywhere. So the Federal Reserve policy and the government policy set the trap by saying, first, you have all these really low interest rate bonds that are being held by people who believed the story that these were risk free. And then we have rampant inflation. And for technical reasons that I mean, you can read more about it if, if you want. But the important thing is, if interest rates go up, the value of bonds falls a lot. Bonds are, in fact, very risky. So if I have a 30-year bond and I hold it to maturity, it's not risky because after 30 years, I'm going to get paid. But in the meantime, the value of that bond fluctuates. Dr. So, Michael. Oh, great. Dr. Michael Munger, Duke Economist, our guest, trying to make some sense of what's going on in the economy. So how rampant is this? Do we think it's okay, there's just a couple banks out there that were silly enough to do this? Or is the fear, well, maybe this is everywhere, and as we start peeling back this onion, we're going to find it was a lot more prevalent than we thought? The thing about banks is that there's two kinds of insolvency. One is liquidity, and the other is equity. So if everybody wants their deposits all at once, no bank is solvent. All banks are constantly bankrupt. So in the if, if I may make another movie reference. You're on a roll in, today. You're rolling. <laughs> it, it, and it's, it, it's a wonderful life when they're going to go on their honeymoon and some people come in and say they want their money out and then everybody wants their money out. The bank doesn't have the money. It's invested. No bank has the money. It doesn't make sense to think well, they're going to store your money. The reason they can stay in business is they invest the money, and they can't sell it in the next hour without taking a giant loss. Right. So every bank in the United States is insolvent if everybody wanted their deposits all at once. Now, the Federal Reserve is supposed to be the lender of last resort to prevent that. And, you know, maybe it'll work, but th this could spread rapidly if people panic and say, I want my money out now. So the reason I said it was a five but might be a 12 is, uh, in terms of, of risk, is that we might very well see this kind of panic spreading. Dr. Michael Munger, our guest, Duke Economist. So, you know, when we first started talking in 2008 and then obviously 2009, the banking law, Dodd-Frank, 2010, the government came in and the, and the Democrats who wrote the law said, hey, we're going to save you from yourself. We're going to prevent this from ever happening again. The idea that, as you talked about, with, with, with these bonds, and then obviously it came out that they were lending based on crypto as collateral, it doesn't seem like the government protected us from much of anything when it comes to risky behavior. It almost seems like the government lied to me. That's the story that the Democrats are going to tell. In 2018, President Trump signed into law legislation that exempted these banks from the kind of regulation that Dodd-Frank imposed on the very large banks. So all of the smaller, and this isn't that small, but the smaller banks are not subject to the same kind of regulation. But that was the reason that I went into that long and boring story about bonds. These were not risky investments. The risk was imposed by the government itself.
So for to say that if we had had more regulation about taking less risk, there's nothing that is less risky than investing in bonds unless monetary policy is constantly changing interest rates. So I think that's what's unexpected. Sure, you can say in retrospect, they should have realized that bonds were risky because you cannot rely on the promises that the government makes. Yeah, so that, so that, that is so good, and this is why you're one of the best in the business. This is why you make huge money at Duke, and, and I'm here in radio. <laughs> so what you're saying is they did the bank did the thing in the sense of the bonds, which is safe. The government screwed everything up, which is the money supply. It makes the bonds unsafe, and then the government comes back and goes, look at what you did. We must have more government. Did I Did I summarize that? properly absolutely so the government it, it, it is as if i went and set a house on fire and then claimed credit for putting the fire out <laughs> um do you have any idea what the ramifications of this will be i mean it, it, well let me ask this first you are you obviously understand this you are one of like 10 people in the country who understand this is the problem that it's too complex for the average person to understand so they just throw their hands up and go government must do something because i need my money to be safe it is the, the idea of risk is too complicated for most people to understand, and we have relied on bankers in order to uh, take care of this problem. And to be fair, a, a bunch of bankers have made what turns out to be really bad mistakes. Normally, they would be punished. So here's the other thing that we haven't talked about yet. Supposedly, the FDIC, which was created in 1934 to guarantee deposits – only guarantees deposits at first up to 100,000, now up to 250,000. There is a depositor at Silicon Valley Bank that has $3 billion, that's with a B, dollars deposited in Silicon Valley Bank. There's a big difference between 250,000 and 3 billion. So what the government is doing is saying, look, you guys shouldn't worry. We're going to guarantee deposits up to three billion. <laughs> now, what what that means? There's, no, there's nothing in the law. That's just we're trying to help you all out. Sure. The re the reason that's a problem is that it means depositors have no reason to shop among different banks to say, well, is this risky? They don't care. Whoever offers the highest interest rate, that's where they'll go because the deposits are guaranteed. So the banks are competing. And if they go bankrupt, Silicon Valley Bank is going to lose a ton of money. The stockholders are going to lose money. But we've sort of put a plug into the extent of the risk. So when you say people don't understand, they have no reason to understand because Uncle Sugar will pay them back. Yes. If I'm a depositor, I don't care. I will get paid back no matter what. I don't care about risk. Yeah, so that, that, that's the question, Dr. Munger. We've been asking all week, and, and we'll get you out here with this. Since I was a little kid, I remember the big sign when you walk up to the counter at the bank, and I'm one of like seven people that still actually goes into the bank to do the banking. You still see it. Your deposit is secured up to $250,000. It's been that way forever and ever and ever. If it wasn't $250,000, if that wasn't the limit, why was there ever a sign that told me that? Uh, they want you to know how kind they are being to you. <laughs> so if, it's really, if I tell you your bedtime is 9 o'clock when you're three years old, uh -huh. and you get to stay up to 9.15, you say, wow, that's great. Mom and Dad are great. Whereas if they said 11, I wouldn't be impressed. So yeah. if they tell you 250 and then it's $3 billion, 
Gosh, Santa Claus is so kind to me. I must have been nice and not naughty. Uh, he is one of the best in the business. Dr. Michael Munger, Duke Economist. Where can people find you on the social media to read all of your astute observations in real time? The best way is on Twitter, and I am at Mungowitz, M-U-N-G-O-W-I-T-Z. Dr. Michael Munger, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC.